0: Go to shopify.com slash crimes to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash crimes.
1: Good morning and thanks for joining me for Rise and Crime, your morning caffeine hit all about crime. I'm Mama Jules, and it's an update-heavy episode for this Thursday. We have an update to the potential serial killer in Portland case that I brought you back on June 8th, as well as an update already to the Gilgo 4 case that I just talked about on Monday, and we'll end with a missing persons case that needs the public's help. So let's jump on in. In a joint press release issued by the Multnomah County District Attorney's Office, nine different law enforcement agencies said links have been established between the cases of four murdered women. The women that have been linked together are 22-year-old Kristen Smith, 24-year-old Charity Lynn Perry, 31-year-old Bridget Ramsey, and 22-year-old Ashley Reel. Now, all four were found along the sides of roads or in wooded areas within a 100-mile radius of Portland in a four-month period spanning from February to May of this year. Now, despite linking the cases together, police have yet to arrest the person that they believe connects the four victims. In a statement, the DA's office said that no charges have been filed against anyone in connection with the four deaths, and that investigators have interviewed multiple people in connection with the cases, and they've identified at least one person of interest that is linked to all four of the murdered women. Now, I told you about these women, plus two others back in June, and at that time, Police were firm in a statement saying that there was no reason to believe that the six cases were connected. They also warned the public against drawing conclusions about a potential serial killer. Now, according to the press release back in June, police said in their words... It is common investigative practice, whether it's retail theft, robbery, sexual assault, or murder cases, to consider possible connections to other cases, both in and out of our jurisdiction. They also ask that members of the community learn the facts about these cases before sharing speculation. Now, in fact, Portland Police Sergeant Kevin Allen went as far as to say back in June the following... When people on social media and in traditional media start speculating about a serial killer, that causes a lot of anxiety and fear in our community. And I ask that you only report the facts about these cases, certainly if we learn of an articulable danger. Yeah, how's that word, articulable? An articulable danger, we will notify the public about it. That is not the case here. So that was their stance just about a month and a half ago. Now, the new joint press release maintains that there is still no threat to the public. And this could be because local media outlets are reporting they know who the suspect is and that the man is in custody for other charges. So here's how all of that went down, according to Yahoo News. 38-year-old Jesse Lee Calhoun has had multiple clashes with the law that included unauthorized use of a vehicle, assaulting a public safety officer, and first-degree burglary. Those three charges happened in 2019 when a SWAT team attempted to arrest Calhoun at his home. He resisted the arrest by choking a police canine and repeatedly kicking an officer. He was also arrested in 2018 for possession of meth, Several guns and more than 500 rounds of ammunition. Now, he can't have the guns because he has a previous felony, so that's why he was arrested back then. Now, Calhoun was supposed to be in prison until June of 2022, but he was released under an order by then Governor Kate Brown that granted clemency to certain offenders. With that law, he served only a few months before being released in July of 2021. Well, elections mean changes and newly elected Governor Tina Kotek revoked Calhoun's clemency and he was placed back in prison on July 6th and this does seem to be the only prisoner of the nearly 1,000 released by Governor Brown that has had their clemency revoked and I think it's a fair conclusion that she was working with the combined agencies on getting this guy off the streets. Now, when his clemency was revoked, Calhoun didn't go easy, and I guess some habits die hard, but instead of choking the police canine, this time he plunged into the Willamette River trying to escape. And officers eventually subdued him, and after moving through a couple of different gels, being held on a parole violation, the clemency was revoked, and he was placed in the Snake River State Prison near the Idaho and Oregon border. Now, Governor Brown did release a statement that reads in her words, I am absolutely horrified for the victims, their families, and all those who have experienced this loss. Now, as of the recording of this podcast, Calhoun has not been charged with the four murders. So I'll keep you updated on those pending charges, but let's revisit who these four women are and how they were found. Now, Kristen Smith of Gresham, Oregon was found in a wooded area in the Pleasant Valley neighborhood on February 19th. She'd been missing since mid-December of 2022. Now, her cause and manner of death were ruled undetermined by the medical examiner. Kristen's mother, Melissa, has been fighting for answers since Kristen went missing. And if you go to her Facebook page, you can get posts where she's talking about how she's anxiously awaiting for answers about Calhoun. And early on in the investigation into her daughter's death, Melissa was adamant that Kristen was murdered, saying that she just knew in her mama heart. Okay, Ashley Real. She disappeared after she was last seen at a Portland Burger King on March 27th. And Ashley was found by a fisherman in a heavily wooded area in Eagle Creek on May 7th. Now, her father expressed how relieved he was that Ashley's case is moving forward and that if Calhoun is the person who killed Ashley, that means other women might not suffer what Ashley did. Posts on social media indicate that Kristen and Ashley were also familiar with each other and some say friends, but in my digging, maybe acquaintances would be a more accurate term. Now, Charity Perry was found in a culvert in Ainsworth State Park on April 24th. Her mother and two younger siblings are mourning the loss of their beloved daughter and sister. And Bridget Webster, well, she was found on April 30th in Polk County. Now, Charity and Bridget share similar personal histories and were known to frequent the same areas including a specific area in downtown Portland known for open-air fentanyl dealing. And all of that is according to the Daily Mail. Now remember, two other women were murdered in this area, and we should be looking for answers for them, along with the four that I just mentioned. Joanna Speaks, who was found in a rural area of Clark County, Washington, was inside a barn and she was murdered according to law enforcement. So that's a little bit different. Other ones, they're just, they haven't even declared via the autopsy, like the manner of death or things like that. This one is specific. She is declared murdered. And some reports say her body was moved to the barn after her death. Now, Joanna went missing in late March and she was discovered on April 8th and the medical examiner ruled she died of blunt force trauma to her head. Now, the sixth victim, she's an unidentified Native American woman, and she's estimated to be between the ages of 25 and 40. She has black, medium-length hair, and she's just over five feet tall and weighs somewhere around 135 pounds. She has two large scars on her left lower leg. And other identifying marks include a black music note tattoo on the upper left side of her chest and a Buddha tattoo on her upper right back. Now, she was wearing a green long-sleeve shirt, a black and white zip-up jacket, jeans, and black and white Adidas cleats. She did have jewelry on when she was found, which is important because they're making the assumption there she wasn't killed trying to rob her or steal things. All right, so if you're listening and you know anything about Calhoun or the four murdered women he seems to be connected to, Or if you know anything about the other two victims I just mentioned, you can contact police via crimestoppersoforgan.com. Now to the update of the murders of the Gilgo Four. And if you don't know the backstory of these four sex workers who were murdered in the years spanning 2007 to 2010, pause this episode. You can come back just pause this episode, go back to my last Rise in Crime episode, and listen to the information about these four women and how police arrested Rex Huerman for three of the four murders. It's a very detailed podcast, and I'll get you all caught up, and then I'll add these updates here. Okay, as always, let's recognize the women that were viciously murdered first. The Giggle Four are Maureen Brainerd Barnes, Melissa Barthelemy, Megan Waterman, and Amber Lynn Costello. And since the arrest, police have expanded their searches from Midtown Manhattan and Massapequa to include South Carolina and Las Vegas. Okay, so why South Carolina? That's a little random. Well, that's because that is where Huerman had parked that green Chevy avalanche that quite literally caused the avalanche of evidence to be collected on Hewerman. Now the truck was parked on property that Huerman had purchased 2 years ago. And that property is next door to some property his brother Craig owns, and Huerman was reportedly planning to retire there. It was that green truck that Huerman was driving when he visited Amber Costello for sex services at her apartment. Now on that visit, Amber's trafficker ran a scam on Huerman where Amber had collected the money for the services, and then the trafficker shows up acting like her boyfriend. And usually the man hiring Amber would, you know, like skedaddle out of there, and the trafficker gets the money without the services being performed. Well, they pulled this ruse on Hewerman, and there was a witness who saw the truck he was driving. Now, Hewerman then, allegedly via a burner phone, contacted Amber telling her she owed him one. Now, after scheduling the makeup visit, Amber went missing. Well, that green Chevy avalanche is how police even began checking into Hewerman and also how they started to link the location of Hewerman's cell phone to the same areas of the burner phones that scheduled the services with the four women. And okay, more about this South Carolina property, neighbors are telling police that Hewerman's intended to buy as much property in the area as possible, potentially to run off all of the neighbors. And the current property is surrounded with no trespassing signs. All right, so we answered why South Carolina? Now why Las Vegas? Well, Huerman owns a timeshare in Nevada City and Las Vegas police are reviewing their unsolved crimes to see if Huerman should be investigated. Now, police have also been searching a storage unit in Amityville, but they've yet to release information about that search and what was found. All right, so what about the other seven victims that were initially linked with the Gilgo Four and were dubbed the workings of the Long Island serial killer? Suffolk County District Attorney Ray Turney told ABC News that they are coming to an end of their initial investigation into the so called Gilgo Four. He said they will prosecute those cases. And while they are doing that, they are going to continue to investigate the other murders. So it it doesn't seem like they have ruled out the potential for Hewerman's involvement in the Long Island murders or maybe even murders in other states. And Brad Garrett, a former FBI profiler, told ABC News that Hewerman fits the profile of a serial killer, leading a double life and appearing by all standards normal garrett said that these killers can do horrendous things like kill people torture people whatever it might be and then they just go home where they feed their kids and they kiss their wives good night and their lives just go on and it does seem that huerman did just that he was a longtime architect in midtown manhattan and he was a husband and a father of two But at the same time, he allegedly signed up for online accounts using fictitious names to search for sex workers for dates or hookups. And in an appearance on Fox News on Monday, Suffolk County Police Commissioner Rodney Harrison said that Hewerman had over 200 guns in his Massapequa Park home. And that's more than double the number for which he had permits. Harrison also said that when Hewerman's family found out about the charges... They were shocked and even embarrassed and disgusted. Harrison said he believes the family did not know about his double life. Now the FBI profiler, Brad Garrett, he did say, however, that Hewerman might have changed some of his patterns after the Gilgo four were found. So if there are additional murders that investigators believe Hewerman is involved with, they could look very different in nature. Now, Hewerman has entered a plea of not guilty via his attorney, Michael Brown. And in a statement on Monday afternoon, Brown said the following, There is nothing about Mr. Hewerman that would suggest that he is involved in these incidents. And while the government has decided to focus on him despite more significant and stronger leads, we are looking forward to defending him in a court of law before a fair and impartial jury of his peers. Now, as always... I'll keep you updated because we can guarantee more information will be coming out in this serial killer case. And now to this missing persons case out of Illinois. 32-year-old Joshua Amos from Granite City, Illinois had a very typical phone conversation with his mother, Christina, on March 17th of this year. They talked about his two girls and what he planned on doing that upcoming weekend because Things were just kind of looking up for Josh. He had recently started a new job at Precoat Metals, and the pay was good despite the fact that he was working longer hours. And even though Josh and the mother of his two daughters that are 8 and 11 years old, so even though they aren't together anymore, they had worked through their relationship and they were getting pretty good at the co-parenting gig. Well, two days after the phone call with his mother, Josh and three friends went to Scarlett's Cabaret. That's a club in Washington Park, Illinois. Now, it was early in the morning on the 19th, and Josh and his friends hung out at that club until about 5 a.m. when Josh left the club. And security camera footage shows Josh leaving, and he walks through the parking lot and then exits the lot by himself. Now, his mom, Christina, says his friends went looking for him, but they couldn't find Josh after he'd gotten up and just walked away. Well, a few minutes later, Josh is spotted at the Jackie joyner Kersey Center Metro Link. Now, this is a bus station. It's in about a five-minute walk from the dance club. And a bus driver told Christina that he had noticed Josh because he looked really cold and disoriented. I checked the weather for Granite City on March 19th, And it was about 22 degrees that early in the morning. So it makes perfect sense that Josh looked really cold. And the concerned driver, well, he helped Josh buy a bus pass since he was having some difficulty figuring out the machine. And the driver then helped Josh onto the bus, which was headed to the Emerson Park Metro link. Now at the Emerson Park Metro, you can board a train or or a bus. There's more things there and you can head on to your specified destinations. And cameras show that Josh seemingly was expected to board a train at 6.45 that morning, like he's waiting to get on the train. But the train arrives and Josh never gets on. Now more security cameras show Josh walking through the parking lot away from the metro station. He is last spotted in the parking lot of EJ Motor Transports, which is actually about five minutes from the metro and he isn't being followed. He's not being followed by a car. He's not being followed by someone else walking. And by this time, Josh is actually about two hours walking distance away from his home. So he was going in the wrong direction. After that camera footage, he vanishes. Now, Illinois State Police Trooper Josh Carondo told Dateline that investigators have searched areas surrounding the club where Josh walked away from in Washington Park, and the area around Lincoln Avenue and 17th Street. Now, the parking lot where Josh was last seen on security footage, they also searched that area. And he added that numerous tips of possible sightings of Joshua have been received, but none have been substantiated. Now, according to Trooper Carondo, there is no evidence to suggest foul play is involved in Josh's disappearance. Josh's family have also conducted multiple searches. Five different searches, in fact, have been done using the help of rescue dogs and cadaver dogs, but nothing has turned up there either. Now, I can hear you screaming about where is his cell phone? Has he made any calls? Well, Josh didn't even have his cell phone on him. He left the phone at his friend's house before even going out for the evening. There has also been no activity on his bank cards because I know you're asking that as well. All right, all leads have turned up nothing. And for a short time, Illinois State Police had closed the case. But last week, law enforcement joined by dozens of community members, searched for Josh in the areas he visited in those early morning hours. As of now, there still is no new information that has been released to the public about that search. But his family, they're not giving up hope. Now, his mother made a plea for Josh to please call home, saying his girls need their dad. If you'd like to join in the efforts to locate Josh, you can review posts at the Facebook page, Bring Josh Home. It has over 9,000 followers who have posted images and leads, and a $10,000 reward has been offered for any break in the case. Josh is 5'11", 190 pounds, and he has brown hair and brown eyes. He was last seen wearing blue jeans, a light gray long sleeve crew neck shirt, and black Adidas tennis shoes. He has several tattoos, including his daughter's names, Bella and Mia, on his chest, and a Chinese symbol on his right bicep. Now, according to Christina, due to some lower back pain, he has a very distinctive walk. Anyone with information about Joshua's disappearance is asked to call Washington Park Police Department at 618-874-0115. All right, you guys, that's your Thursday edition of Rise and Crime. If you're loving this content, please leave me a five-star review on either Apple or Spotify. And you can always check in with me on YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok. Join me again on Monday for more morning crime news. I'm Mama Jules, and keep safe out there.